Citizen Reporter number 389, 6th of September, 2011. How much more am I supposed to take? Within the last 25, 30 years, fame itself became an extremely valuable thing to people. When something so big happens that we lose our story, we lose our narrative, and then we become really vulnerable. And that state, another word for it, is regression. It's a joke. This is what ruined the world. This is what happens when an inside joke gets into the water supply. Once we understand this, then I think, yeah, we can, we, can, uh, we can be more savvy, we can be more adult and less regressed when the next shock hits. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Bicycle Mark here, citizenreporter.org. We are at CCC 2011, Hacker Camp, as I like to call it. And I'm seated uh, on earth, on on sand, uh, under the pine trees, and I'm seated here with uh, Joe Bowser. Hi, Joe. Hello. Uh, Joe's never been on the program before, so it's it's good that we finally do this. Uh, You've been here enjoying the atmosphere and also giving a talk. And the talk was focused on, I mean, generally surveillance and Canada, the Canadian case, which we don't hear about as often, depending on where you're looking in the international press. Um, But you also spoke about the specific uh, uh, case of the Olympics. The Winter Olympics were just last year, right? They were were in uh, Vancouver in February of 2010. 2010. So let's start with the the issue of the Olympics, a lot of people will say, well, it's all in the past, but these things are happening over and over again. We get these Olympic Games in different parts of the world. Some cities really, really make a push for them, and people think we need this. Mm-hmm. Um, when Vancouver made this push and eventually got it, your thoughts at the time? Well, my thoughts at the time were to move out of BC and go to Ontario because I because we were totally hosed. Um, I was living. I wasn't actually living in Vancouver at the time. I was living up uh, north in northern BC, and uh, that was a period of austerity where the Gordon Campbell government, the provincial government at the time, was making a ton of cuts and saying that the province was completely broke. Right. And yet suddenly the province can somehow afford the Olympic Games, mm. and it's like, no, you can't. You you just said we're broke. You just said you just provided numbers. You said that this is how much we have. This is how little money we have. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you're pulling money from nowhere to pay for the provincial portion of the Olympic money. Like this doesn't this doesn't add up, right. and at the end, it didn't add up. But you, as a citizen, and, and anyone else that agrees with you, because there are many people, uh, what option do you have in terms of? I mean, there's no vote, obviously. Well, that's interesting. Um, there's there was sort of a vote. Um, now there is the Olympic Games. The Olympic Games. It took a there were pitched around the early 90s and uh, like the early and late 90s they, to try and increase investment and get more uh, real estate revenue in the Vancouver area. They had to attract something to to sell more condos. So they uh, so they decided that they were going to get the Olympics and they pushed for it and they had the IOC come over and over again and uh, they had the Prime Minister uh, promise things to, to the IOC. Oh, right. And... Um, a bit of a charm campaign. Yeah, and uh, and then uh, what happened was a lot of people didn't want the Olympics, namely people in East Vancouver, where, where I'm from, mm. where I currently live. 
So, but vote-wise, what would, what would so, happen? So they had a city referendum, mm-hmm. um, but unfortunately they didn't follow referendum rules. So they would do things like advertise for the, uh, for the yes, we want the Olympic side. So and they would like have advertisements nearby the polling stations, mm-hmm. and uh, and people would and this was only written in the alt weeklies, so it's probably buried in a copy of Terminal City somewhere from two thousand two, yeah. and they would talk about um, in two thousand three they would talk about how how they totally gamed the system and how that's why they got a sixty percent or sixty six percent yes for the Olympics. So it wasn't like it was this massive. Uh, actually, no, it's only sixty percent for the Olympics, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, that's why they, it wasn't this massive majority. Like, yes, we want the Olympics. It was like sixty percent. It was lower than seventy percent. Mm. So you had a sizable minority yeah. in a in an area of a city that didn't want the, the Olympics there. Mm-hmm. Like an entire neighborhood that was like, no, we don't want the Olympics. Mm. Which is how, which is where a lot of the anti Olympics uh, organizing started. Yeah. And so, uh, let's talk about the anti-Olympics organizing. Uh, it starts with, uh, I mean, a group of people finding each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they finding each other via internet, or is it a community center somewhere? It's, it's a community center, oh. uh, usually. Um, so, anti-Olympic organizing, there's uh, people that go to city... There's It usually works well with people going to city council and stopping the bid process. Okay. So, if you actually, so, if you hear about the bid process and you really don't want the Olympics, you should stop it early on. The bid process is the city makes uh, oh the, the the whole campaign that's the yes, bid right. the bid so uh, there is a uh, I believe Annecy uh, there's the Annecy games recently and they had the bid process and Annecy didn't get it and the people that were on the no side didn't want the games were like yeah and they uh-huh. won and they were uh-huh. happy uh-huh. and this is on uh, this is on GamesMonitor.net the UK watchdog site now oh interesting yeah they're uh, so they're the watchdog for the 2012 Olympics in London yeah and uh, and then there's also and there's a lot of parallels between the 2012 Olympics in London and 2010 Olympics, especially with, like, the scare t- tactics about the anarchists and, uh-huh. like, the different uh, resistance to, like, resistance or counter-movements against Risk of it. terrorism. Well, yeah, risk of terrorism and lone wolves. Uh-huh. Lone wolves is a big term in uh, Canadian intelligence. <laughs> uh, although, uh, yeah... It was. It was like there's going to be lone wolves, single single people that are not tied to any group that we can't track who will sneak things in, and it's just ridiculous yeah. when you think about it. <laughs> but so uh, the problem here is that I think a lot of people, including those who voted in favor of the Olympic Games, would be confused by the the no vote some of them anyway because it's assumed that olympic games are good because one prestige uh it makes your city look good it puts you on the map i think some people are into that most people probably think this is going to bring in money for our city right i mean that's even what the government promises uh so here you have vancouver with as you mentioned or admittedly a a deficit uh right that british columbia uh, oh, sorry, yes, the province. Um, and then, so they'll what they'll say, if we ask them, we're not going to because we're here at camp, uh, yeah, I know we have a deficit, but this will provide the income that can cover that and, and put us back in the in the black. Yeah. Uh, actually, it was all about world-class city and being the best place on earth. It was oh, okay. A, it was literally, the, the province's motto now is the best place on earth, <laughs> which is, that's the most arrogant thing ever right there. It's like, I've never heard of Vancouver, I tell me, or anyone from BC, but uh, say, 
I live in the best place on earth. <laughs> yeah. It, I've heard other people say that to them. Yeah. You live in a great place. But yeah. yeah uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a nice place, but, uh, it's not the best place on earth. All right. Um, like, like I'm not going to be so arrogant as to say, that. I haven't traveled all over the planet. And I'm yeah. pretty sure that everyone that coined that slogan hasn't either. Yeah. They're just, you know, it's just arrogance. Right. Um, it's, a, it's a poor city slogan. Onwards. It's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a provincial <laughs> slogan. Oh, so it's not okay. the city. The city itself, um, during the uh, during the lead up to the Olympics, it was a very it's it's a very strange uh, situation. So um, the city like had this um, passive aggressive attitude towards the Olympics. With different city councils. So one city council will put the referendum forward because there's opposition. And they were, and they were not going to be... They were going to try and dodge the Olympic issue. And then another city council was going to try and clean up the streets for the Olympics and criminalize the poor and send them all in buses out of town, one-way tickets, yeah. and do what they normally do during the, during the lead-up to the Olympics. And then the other one was like, meh, the Olympics are here. And that's the one that actually was around during the Olympics, Gregor Robertson's uh, city council. And they're going to be like, meh, the Olympics are here. That's great. Best place on earth. Clap, clap. And then it's just sort of this half-hearted, I guess we have to do this. Yeah. Um, hmm. And, like, there were Olympic boosters on city council, definitely. Like, and there were people that... Um, that like when the next election comes, regardless of what their normal political stripe, I will do everything I can to make sure they don't get elected again. Um, but let's go back to the community center, the way okay. it starts the movement. So, okay. what what is it first of all? The place itself. Um, well, and well, basically, there would be meeting coffee shops for <laughs> the earlier parts, and uh, this is before my time. Uh, in, involved in anti-Olympic stuff. Like, I didn't like the Olympics, but it was, like, this thing that, that was, like, that people were resisting, and I'd go to protest and be not really that involved in. Yeah. But uh, it was, but people would gather, and then they would work on the no bid, and then they would work on being a watchdog group. Mm-hmm. And then as things got worse, people would uh, then uh, do research and, uh, and produce documentary films, like the Five Ring Circuits film done by... Uh, Done by uh, the Work Less Party. But, okay. Yeah, and then uh, and then as things got worse and things moved on, there'd be other groups. And eventually, what happened in 2007 and around 2007-2008 was when uh, when people got together and formed the Olympic Resistance Network. Mm-hmm. And that was to that was basically to pro- to organize a mass protest of the games and a convergence like workshops and and uh, talking about gentrification and displacement. And uh, it was anti-capitalist and anti-colonial. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the thing with uh, that is it's it's your typical it was the typical model that's used for you know big trade events like the WTO or the G20. It was that similar model of organizing because world leaders are going to be at the Olympics, mm-hmm. and since world and deals are going to be discussed, therefore it's very similar to the G20 except that there's a shot sideshow there's the hockey game so yeah. everyone can get distracted by watching the hockey game right whereas like if you look at G20 there's no just a G20 okay. so okay. okay so you you diffuse the resistance and you diffuse political criticism by having a shiny object in Absolutely. this case the gold medal hockey game for the for team Canada hmm. so people would hide behind the olympics to do a lot of heinous things like uh, destroy, uh, like like uh, habitat for uh, red-listed uh, endangered species, 
and to to build things for the Olympic Games. To build things for the Olympics. There's this tree frog that was on the red list that uh, that's got its habitat destroyed by widening the Sea to Sky Highway, for example. Hmm. And there is a. Um, but so then I would assume that the environmental movement in in that area was actively trying trying to stop not only this but the Olympic Games in general. Um, sort of. Um, the problem is that the environmental movement, a lot of it's co-opted. So there's a lot of <laughs> like the you know the the corporate green. The green is the color of money green, and there's a lot and there's a lot of talk about different groups selling out. Like most most notably, uh, Tebzora Berman, who was the, who is the uh, I believe she's like a head of Greenpeace Europe now. Okay. She uh, she was part of like Forest Ethics or something in like said Gordon Campbell was green and shook his hand and ran in the Olympic uh, torch relay, which is sponsored by RBC, who sponsors right. the tar sand, who yeah. funds the tar sands. Yeah. It's like, okay, you have a funder of the tar sand sponsoring the Olympics, and you're saying you're sustainable. Mm. That 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 doesn't work. Yeah, the tar sands being the big project to extract oil. Uh, in uh, what province? In Alberta. In Alberta, yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, and that's one that I, I should do more on for people that are listening and would like more information. We'll work on that in the coming uh, programs. Um, so what about this issue of Native or First Nations people uh, and the Olympic Games? Because initially, I think when you hear games, whether, whether it was in Vancouver, we look at other places in the world, it will surely happen again. Um, what's the connection between this group and this ga- these games? Okay, so uh, in Vancouver, uh, like in British Columbia, it's unceded territory, so there's outstanding land claims issues. Mm-hmm. And uh, because when British Columbia was created, they just annexed the land. They didn't actually do any, they didn't actually have any treaties, and no one actually surrendered it. There was no war. So there were groups of people uh, that had land up until that moment? Well, they, they didn't have land. They used the land. They, right, they, they lived were, on it. They lived on it. And then all of a sudden, they, all of a sudden the white people came and took their children and put them in residential schools and, and corralled them into reserves, and, and their standard of living went down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, because, you know, they were beaten by, you know, the RCMP. Yeah. So this is already a problem for many... Yeah, this was a problem since uh, Canada, since pretty much Canada began. Mm-hmm. Uh, when British Columbia joined Canada in, like, 1880-something. Like, this is, like, an ongoing problem that already existed. But then, so, but the thing is, to uh, because there is a worry about native uh, unrest, because of issues of poverty and the fact that they don't have access to clean water in some places, and the fact... The, they decided that they were going to make a partnership with the uh, with the First Nations people in the Vancouver area, the four host First Nations. So they talked to the chiefs of those four host First Nations and made a business agreement, and uh, and gave and gave them money. And uh, and and what is this money? Uh, be quiet, like it's sort of it. Yeah, it's sort of infrastructure money so they can help oh. their uh, help their groups. And in exchange, they would like create this four host nations pavilion and like showcase their culture and promote uh, promote their way of life and uh, and say that they are down with, they're for the games and they would show up and do these opening ceremonies and stuff but the thing with first nations is that they're they're a country like they're sort of like a country in themselves right like sure it's like saying saying that uh, that all first nations support the olympics is like saying that all canada all canadian supports Stephen harper that's just not true obviously okay so there's people in these groups that are against the whole uh, concept of the Indian Act and right. these people getting their authority from the Indian Act, and um, 
And so they would form a lot of the anti-Olympic uh, uh, Native organizers. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones who called for... And then there's other First Nations groups that weren't even consulted, that just were displaced into Vancouver, that would also call for the uh, for the 2010 convergence. Hmm. Uh, and so other... I mean, throughout the activities, I and mean, we haven't gotten over all of them, uh, but there were demonstrations. Uh, you, yeah, you did mention a few. Um, what's also interesting, and you were here to talk about, is that... You obviously got on the radar of the uh, Royal Canadian Mounted Police, yes. which are a sort of just for anyone, if, if anyone knows the FBI in the United States, something like that, a, a state trooper, I, I don't know, wherever you live, the equivalent. <laughs> yeah, um, the RCMP formed this unit called the Vancouver 2010 Integrated Security Unit. So half my talk, about half my talk was about the Olympics and my story, mm-hmm. how I got into the FOI and the ATIP thing. Yeah. And then the other half was about the G20. Hmm. The uh, the G20 events in Toronto, yeah. which were which is where the largest arrest of, of uh, people in Canadian history happened. How many people is that? Fifteen hundred. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, this was and the and the model the police model they used for both the Olympics and G20 was the integrated security unit model, uh, which is where they get a large group of organizations like the regional police and then the RCMP, and depending on the area. The, and the, the scope of their threat, the Canada Border Services Agency, the border guards, as well as the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, CSIS. And they would uh, then conduct a like, wide range of uh, security measures for that event, including the uh, intelligence unit, which would harass activists and act as the political police. And so they were uh, following your actions from when till when? Or are they still following you? They're still following me. Um, So, well, they're not, but other people are now. Mm. Uh, So they started following me when we did the spirit train. So so the first action we did was was block the spirit train or disrupt the spirit train. This was a... What's the spirit train? The the spirit train is a... uh, is a train that's funded by Canadian Pacific, and it has like bands, and they're like, "Yay, Olympics!" Oh, and, okay. And they they try and pump people up um, because the anti the disorganized anti Olympic movement managed to chase uh, all the Olympic events out of Vancouver with mass protest mm-hmm. and like with fights with the police. They're just like, "No, get out!" Um, like during the Olympic flag ceremony mm-hmm. and during the Olympic clock. They managed to like disrupt the these ceremonies and like embarrass the IOC, right. and they weren't able to have an event, Olympic event in Vancouver. Okay, so they forced they had this thing out in Port Moody, which is a suburb. So everyone went out to Port Moody with with uh, air horns and uh, and a PA and shouted down the whoever was playing the uh, playing on stage mm-hmm. and disrupted the event and just caused it to be a complete disaster. Peacefully. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Peacefully in Vancouver. And then other people in Ontario, because they're hardcore, would actually, like, chain themselves to the train tracks. Right. And, like, like, we're looking at that and we're like, holy crap. Mm -hmm. That's that's insane. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's what happened with the spirit train. And because of this... uh, and because of this threat, uh, the Olymp- that you know the Olympics would come, and then we'd show up and be like, "No Olympics!" Right? Right. They were afraid that we'd totally wreck the whole Olympic Games, <laughs> and everything just ended in tears. They decided that uh, the disruptions were the primary threat, and they created the Integrated Security Unit and hired Bud Mercer, whose specialty is beating hippie skulls, mm-hmm. to head the unit. Mm-hmm. And that's when 
that's when uh, they put everyone on the radar. Yeah. So suddenly your activities are being monitored and reported about within the the thought of internal communication. Yeah. Uh, you don't know about this. Uh, how do you eventually find out about this? Well, I well we find out about this is that um, around January 20, 20 uh, not twenty nine two thousand and nine. Mm-hmm. Around 2009, there was a uh, city council meeting to talk about the uh, safe assembly areas and the illegal signage. So they're, they're, they're talking about banning political messages during the Olympics. Like, oh. if you had a condo nearby, uh, no you, you no sign. You can't put a sign. Uh, and they had, they were originally proposing, like, a $20,000 fine and that, they could, and that the police could just go in your house and break in and take down your sign without getting a warrant or anything and throw you in jail. Yeah. And uh, it was so ridiculous that the chief of police from Vancouver was like, we're not doing that. Mm. No. Even if th- we're not doing the law. We're, and, then, and then there's criticism by, like, the police can't pick and choose which laws they do. And then it's like, well, yeah, I no, guess they can. <laughs> so, like, the police were just like, no, this is, like, the city police were like, no, this is dumb. Yeah. Um, so, there, and there is, like, strife between the Vancouver police and, like, the RCMP. Mm-hmm. Um. So there. So what happened was the anti-Olympic uh, activists were were at the were at City Hall, and then they left. They were leaving City Hall, and they were approached by the Vancouver 2010 ISU Joint Intelligence Group, or the JIG, mm-hmm. and they're like, "We're watching you. Here's our card. If you need to talk to us." And uh, and uh, they they were very big and intimidating, and, uh, and they were they basically that was the big scandal of of the police intimidating activists like community organizers as they're going to city council meetings like this isn't like some anarchist thing this is just literally we're going to undermine your democracy type mm-hmm. stuff like local grassroots like go to city council democracy we're going to use police intimidation to scare people out of showing up at city council yes which is what they try to do so once you get this card and you, you yeah, so meet these people, what do you decide for yourself that you're going to find out exactly what they know about you? Or well, you, well, during you know. the Olympics, what we decided on was that no one talked to the police. Nothing can be gained from talking to the police. And that when you get a card, you get the card. Then you go to. Then we found a lawyer uh, at the BC Civil Liberties Association. Uh, he was who's known for doing like local human rights stuff, uh, David Eby, and we. Um, and we all got our cards together, and we said, "Look, here's all the here's all the officers that visited us. Can we talk to?" A, and then we talked to another lawyer. Can we get? And we all got a letter saying, "If you need to contact anyone from the Olympic Resistance Network that's on this list, mm-hmm. please go through our lawyer." Mm-hmm. And uh, because and then we, there's a press there's a press statement, like a press release and a press statement, an interview done the following week, and there is. Um, and there was a lot of press saying that the V2010 ISU was harassing activists. Mm-hmm. And a lot of negative press making them sound bad, and they stopped because of all the negative press, because they sounded, they sounded, you know, like uh, other police. Yeah. <laughs> so what this starts to, I think, make anyone who's listening, uh, who has a limited knowledge of Canada, and maybe even some people in Canada, but what you start thinking is, what Canada is this? I mean, uh, clearly... When it comes to power of authorities, it's it's a, it's a new day. Mm-hmm. Um, is this because uh, there's a conservative president or, or a uh, prime minister? Prime but minister, yeah. what? Well, is this, this post nine eleven? It's, it's partly post nine eleven, and it's partly because it's a new Canadian prime minister. So, um, and it's partly just because this is the way 
security is at events, and it's the RCMP has always kind of been like this. But is culture evolving where people are saying, you know, we need to we need to get really tough. We need to give more power. Yes, yes, it is. Um, so um, Stephen Harper has always been about law and order, mm. even though his record is clearly contrary to law and order. He's always been about law and order. Law, more jails, longer sentences. You know, you know, we got to crack down on on these on people who disagree hmm. he 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 he's known for having uh, petty uh, petty vendettas against any any political opponent okay including people in the civil service he will destroy people's careers he is a he is a bully he he is known as a bully to the americans even because this was even mentioned in a wikileaks cable mm-hmm. he's uh he's this like horrible human being he uh he, he's just this bad person, uh, yeah, so on and so forth. <laughs> That's all good. understood, but what's impressive is that people Voted for him? in Canada, which is not necessarily known for building more jails, holding vendettas against people, uh, they vote for him and, and they apparently agree with some of this? Well, no. Um, Canada has a first-past-the-post system, and Canada has multiple parties. So what this means is that you can actually get a majority government in Canada with 36% of the popular vote. Mm-hmm. So what happened is that um, that uh, people, in, people in rural Canada and southern Ontario uh, voted for Stephen Harper, and he got a majority government. And people in Quebec and in urban centers like Vancouver and Toronto voted for the NDP. Mm-hmm. And that's how you have the current majority government, which is, this is all post the G20 and the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And they're the people that are putting in the omnibus crime bill, which will strip, which one of these things will, and they're the people that are also talking about stripping Canadians of their citizenship. Yeah. They're the people that are talking about data retention. They're the people that are talking about lawful access, the new uh, Canadian version of the DMCA. So you're, you're naming all these things that are all connected to the idea that uh, your information as a citizen needs to, you, you, the government needs to know everything yes. about you um, but, but what's weird is that these are laws that to some extent people have facilitated by voting for people who push these things yeah the, the, the thing is that voting in Canada again it's first past the post right, only a few people have only the minority of people voted for this but mm-hmm. because the system is so broken in Canada mm-hmm. they got a majority so it's they're like well it's a system we have and it's like well but the that, problem is, most people don't want this. Right. So I was, I, was, I was thinking that. So if I were to run around Canada asking people, what do you think about what this government is doing, about these policies, this crime bill that is going to be so far-reaching, you're saying a lot, a, a, a significant amount, a majority, in fact, would actually not be in favor of what's going on. That's but right. yet it goes on. Yes. So <laughs> if you were into uh, down, like if you went to a downtown core, you'd, you'd get people that would not know and be like, that's horrible. Right. I didn't know that was happening in Canada. Or they'd be like, well, that doesn't affect me. And But so, I've, I've met you many times now, and, and I know that there are more like you out there. I, I, you're the, the people who stand up and, mm-hmm. and fight when possible, and, and with whatever tools are available to you. Mm-hmm. Um, there, what about all the, this significant group of people? I mean, aren't there ways to slow this down or to even reverse it? Um, there What's are, it going to take? <laughs> yeah, there are ways to revert, like, as far as legal means. Um, oh. as, there's not a whole heck of a lot we can do without seeing the bill right now, because there's an omnibus crime bill. It hasn't hit the parliament yet, uh, and it's wrapping up all these old laws. So there's a lot of speculation about what's in it, 
but until we see it and see how bad things really are going to be, it's it's all literally like policy statements and uh, and huffing and puffing by the various ministers. Mm-hmm. Um, like the two thousand, but they, but given their past history and the past way they've governed and the, what they've done with the uh, integrated security units and the fact there's no G twenty inquiry. Mm-hmm. We we can take from the past what we know about this government and say, okay, things are going to get a lot worse because the the Canadian government thinks it's perfectly okay to arrest fifteen hundred people with no and hold them without charge. The Canadian government thinks it's okay to um, to silence dissent when it, by any means necessary. The Canadian government thinks it's perfectly fine to. Um, to not have environmental standards and let the oil sands continue, mm-hmm. the uh, Canadian government thinks it's perfectly o- thinks things like uh, like the DMCA and ACTA are perfectly good policy, and that they should have those in Canada because the Americans told them to. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there, and the list goes on and on. Like they they want to dismantle Canada, basically. They want to dismantle public health care. They want to they want to re change the policy so that's a conservative policy for foreign policy and get rid of the whole peacekeeping aspect that was created by Pearson who was a Canadian mm-hmm. they want to um, they have a very specific agenda and it's it's not a secret agenda it's not like they're they're not going to attack a marriage and they're not going to attack abortion there's people in the conservative party that want to do that but they're not going to do that instead what they're going to attack is who gets to be a Canadian what you can do on the internet and what you can uh, what you can say in public and what's legal. That's what they're... And whether you can agree or disagree, that's what they're going to attack. Hmm. That's what they're attacking now. And that's... And um, the thing is that people... A lot of people don't see it because it doesn't directly affect them right, right away. They, because I would assume if they did see it, just like you said, the problem with the system is that a small group of people can actually sort of hijack government by... Well, by getting elected... They could have done that, but if they don't see it, then they're well, not going to organize politically. No, they can't really do that. Like the thing with the system is that it's, it's strategic, so it's first past the post with writings. Mm-hmm. So there's issues with gerrymandering, mm-hmm. like where they can change, where the government of the day can change writing so it favors a certain party, right? So that they can mm-hmm. split a, they can move a boundary of a writing that, so that say a Browning writing that voted NDP, they can move the writing and make it vote, make it a conservative writing. And they can do other things like, uh, like have mail-in ballots and stuff ballots. They can, uh, they've started uh, just challenging votes now, which is new in Canada. So they've actually challenged votes and tried to disqualify student voters on mass. And they've tried to seize and steal ballot boxes in Canada, mm-hmm. um, in Ontario, and saying what that they're corrupt. And yeah, they're they're, they're corrupt, and this is a invalid ballot post. And you, you, how dare you do that? Because students would not vote for Stephen Harper, so they try and like kill the student vote mm-hmm. and uh i mean things things are really really bad right now in canada as far as like the stephen harper majority government yeah they're so bad that uh people are willing to do things they've never done before like bridget de pap who uh, who uh near her last day on the job she decided to uh sneak a sign in to the senate chamber during the speech of the throne mm-hmm. stand in the middle of the speech of the throne with a red sign that said stop harper mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh a lot of people thought it was awesome, but it was, you know, just it's harder. Act. Yeah, it's harder to do it now. Now that he has a majority, because yeah. now he now he can stack the Senate. Now he can appoint Supreme Court judges. Now he he has a new Governor General who's his Governor General. He has consolidated his power. 
So he's essentially a dictator. Hmm. An elected dictator. Hmm. More or less. So, I mean, we've covered a little bit on the Olympics, uh, even mentioned the G20, um, talked about surveillance, a bit of the, the, the power that the authorities have in Canada, and politics. And overall, we keep coming back to this conclusion that Canada is... is not getting out of these dark days that's just going to get darker. Yes. Yes. Canada, things are going to get really, really dark in Canada. Uh, things are going to get really bad. Um, Canada Canada will probably... Canada has lost international reputation due to the tar sands. Canada did not get a seat on the Security Council for the first time ever. Huh. It, it was up for a seat and it was refused. Because hmm. of Canada's positions, for example, on Israel, where it sides with the Israel Israel right. state, right. which is new for Canada, relatively new for Canada. It's the Stephen Harper decision yeah. on foreign policy, which is a far break from past foreign policy of uh, the Liberal Party. There is also um, there's also the fact that uh, that with this new decision to strip Canadians of their citizenship, that that's against uh, the uh, UN. The U- UN Human Rights Code, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Universal, yeah. yeah Universal Human Rights. Declaration of Human Rights. You can't make landless people. Yeah. That's going to be very interesting to see what happens with that. Because with with uh, that, uh, Canada could actually end up getting sanctions against it mm-hmm. from countries. And, of course, there's... I mean, I don't think the United States would ever throw sanctions because it's the only place... It's one of the main places in North America to get oil. Yeah. But um, things things are going to get really interesting and really bad. Hmm. Um, like a Canadian traveling, like Cana- Canadian traveling abroad, it's it's very much it's very much like how do I get a second passport at this point? Like how do I escape from this nightmare? That's how you think of it for your That's yourself for and, and your loved ones. Yeah. yeah, I'm like how do how the hell do we get out of this? Because because it's unless people wake up, unless things change radically very soon. We're we're very much completely and totally like in, we're in huge trouble, mm. like very huge trouble in Canada. Yeah. Well, Joe, some bad news <laughs> on, 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 what an, on what is otherwise a beautiful day here. Um, I'll keep looking to you to hear what's going on. Uh, your Twitter, for example, is a good source of information as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I wanted to recommend it to people. It's uh, infinite. Yeah, yeah. Infoloop with zero. So it's I-N-F-I-L-0-0-P. Yeah, and I'll link it from the, the show mm-hmm. notes. Any other source you want to put out there? Uh, the Media Co-op. Uh, the Media Co-op's a good source. So Vancouver Media Co-op is where I usually write with uh, with other people, like uh, Don Paley, who's doing doing work with Central America stuff on WikiLeaks mm-hmm. right now, as well as Frank Lopez, who uh, also does Submedia.tv. And it's part of the Media Co-op, uh, the Media Co-op network and the Dominion. Okay. Which is a cooperatively owned media service. There's also Rabble as well, which is not bad. Okay. And Briar Patch Magazine and all the other independent media in Canada. Okay, I'll add a few links to the show notes. Uh, Joe Bowser, thanks so much. And uh, yeah, despite all the, the dark forecast, I hope that things don't go as bad as we've just said they may. Yeah. Huh. Well, see. <laughs> 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 <laugh
ناس كده نفك سوا كيف يا بكل لو قعدنا سوا ما في مشاكل بس كله قاعدين سوا زي وطن واحد زي بلد واحد Oh, <laughs> 